0: pro bono perspectives live from brooklyn where the city never sleeps and purpose is more than just a buzzword pro bono perspective brings together leaders that have traveled across sectors industries and experiences on their path to creating change for the communities in which they live and work and I'm your host, Danielle Holley, CEO of Common Impact, a national nonprofit that designs skills-based volunteer programs that amplify the impact of social change organizations by harnessing the talents and skills of private sector employees. I am lucky enough to cross paths with these leaders every day through my work with Common Impact and can't wait to bring you behind the scenes to share their stories. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle Holly, the CEO of Common Impact, and I am joined here today by Rachel Hutchinson, who is the Vice President of Corporate Citizenship and Philanthropy at Blackbaud. In her day-to-day role, Rachel is responsible for global corporate social responsibility, leading the company's 3,300 associates in efforts to serve and give professionally and personally, and is committed to the core philosophy that Good is for everyone, championing positive change and inspiring individuals to integrate service into their own development. Outside of work, as if that weren't enough, Rachel is the board chair of the Giving Institute and serves as a board member on the Association for Fundraising Professionals and Learning to Give. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rachel. It is great to be here where to start? I would love to hear how you started your career and, and what landed you at Blackbaud.
1: Oh, geez. I started at Blackbaud about 26 and a half years ago. So I've been here for pretty much my whole career following graduate school. And that wasn't intentional. Um, I got a graduate degree in journalism. And when I sought out to, you know, find my first role out of graduate school, it was a really tough time in the publishing and publications market. And so I was just looking for something that was interesting and stimulating and, and met the founder of Blackboard, which at that time had about 100 people. Wow. So it was a technology startup. We didn't even use the language startup then. Um, this was the early 90s but we were a technology company and I was fascinated by the fact that this company at that point exclusively worked with nonprofit organizations. And I was hired to be a market researcher, which meant I was taking my journalistic skills to research, understand, learn, and then write and communicate across the company about um, segments of the market that we were serving. And and that was just really kind of interesting um, to me. So that's how I started. And and I've you know built from there as the company has grown, and I've been very fortunate that I work for a company that's been very successful and has grown and evolved over time. And so there have been new opportunities for me that have happened, and there have also been moments where I was ready for something more, and I was able to create that change for myself because I was within an infrastructure that was growing. Um, so very, very fortunate. Um, but again, just fascinated by the fact that we now work not, not just with nonprofits, but within the social good community, which is something that is really special to me.
0: And is what motivates you now to get out of bed in the morning and keep doing this work the same as what motivated you to get started? Has it changed? Uh, you've been with the, with blackbot essentially since inception, it sounds like, nearly well,
1: it, I've, I've been here 26 and a half years. We're about 40 years old. So I wasn't there at the very beginning, but I did start in a in relatively early phase. And I think what motivates me now is much um, richer and deeper and more evolved. You know, when I started, you know, I was coming in with, you know, a uh, you know, college degree and a graduate degree and a real passion for writing and editing and publishing and messaging. And, and I didn't at that point realize how important all of those things would be for a company and would be for a community. And I've really learned over the years what an incredibly rich, um, diverse community there is within what I would call the social good sector, whether we're talking about individuals or nonprofits or funders or companies themselves, that we all um, are engaged in social good. And I've really um, benefited from and enjoyed developing relationships with people like you and others who care deeply about this idea that we all need to be at the table to make more good happen in the world. Right. And so I think I'm just better equipped because I know more. Um, but I'm also motivated by the fact that, you know, you even look in the business press now and we're looking at things like the change the world list. Blackboard was on the fortune change the world list as a rising star last year. And that was a really exciting moment that, you know, seeing in the public press that, um, you know, the more mainstream press that people are talking about companies literally doing good things. And that's not the way it was when I graduated from high school so or even college. So I think things are evolving in a way that are really motivating.
0: It's it's so resonant with me. You know, I've been at Common Impact for 11 years and I think average tenure for the millennial generation is something like two, two and a half years. So folks always look at me, huh, what, what are you still doing there? <laughs> um, and it, it's exactly what you said. You know, the space has evolved so much that the work and what the day-to-day is, is changing so rapidly, but there's also real motivation and feeling like it's moved, right? That, that mm-hmm. CSR broadly defined has moved from something that felt like compliance Uh, You know, a couple decades ago to now, something that we're really recognizing as a lever for change and is real and is authentic. So, uh, yeah, that really resonates. And you've said to me before a couple of times, I think, and I always uh, hear this and think, oh, we need more people like Rachel in the world. Is uh, (laughs) I grew up surrounded by skills based volunteerism and know that you've really launched skills based at Blackbod. We'd love to hear what that means to you, how you went about starting this thing within BlackBod.
1: Sure. So, you know, I didn't know a lot about nonprofits when I was growing up, or at least I didn't think I did. I didn't use that term. It's not something that people really talked about. Um they certainly people were charitable and volunteered and donated things and all of that. And we did, you know, March of Dimes went door to door and but we didn't talk about nonprofits as a sector or a segment. And I learned about that when I came to Blackboard. But what I realized looking back later is I knew a ton about skills-based volunteerism because my parents did it. So, you know, I grew up in a house where my father was an English professor and my mother was a, a teacher and a volunteer. And one of the things she did was um, teach people how to read through a uh, 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 literacy organization. And she literally would have people come to our house and, um, some of whom were extremely successful and she would teach them three days a week how to read and And so I was seeing them as living breathing examples of, okay, my father's going off and going to the board meeting at the, the library where he's on the board and my mother's going off to senior citizens where she's on the board and my mother's doing literacy sessions and that was just a part of life. And I also knew that they were philanthropic and um, we didn't have a lot of money, but I knew that they gave to causes that were important to their, lives to the colleges that they went to, to things like Amnesty International. I just knew that. And later, looking back, I realized, oh, I was kind of raised to be aware of the environment, sustainability, volunteerism, giving your skills, that philanthropy is something that really is for everyone. Um, I I didn't realize that was the path until I was able to, to look back on it. So you asked about Blackboard and You know, this is a a company that people join because they are interested in social good. We know that something like eighty six percent of our people said it mattered to them that we worked in the field of social good when they joined us. And so, you know, we have a lot of people that volunteer very, very high levels. We have a lot of people that engage in our matching gift program. They're very socially minded, and so skills based was a obvious um, outlet for us. And we're not as big as as many other companies. We have We have 3,300 people and, you know, we can't take on huge projects, but everyone can be thinking about how to give his or her skills um, in addition to or in place of giving money. I would hope that they would do both. So we've added a real focus on um, understanding that giving, sometimes giving your skill makes a bigger impact Mm -hmm. than the, the financial
0: donation that you can make. And talk to me a little bit about, that you mentioned that the folks, the new recruits that you bring on really care about the social good dimension. That's something that we have seen more broadly that not just the millennial generation, though, I think that that generation has given this a voice and a focus right now, but people are really looking for meaning in their work and they're making their career decisions based on that. Versus the pure salary and structure of the role. Of course, those are still considerations, but I imagine that that must and that environment must give companies like Black, Blackbot a, a leg up on talent, right? Because you have that so naturally built into the culture and would love to hear whether that, that feels right to you, what that's looked like for Blackbot.
1: Well, I know talent is is hugely important, and right now in today's world, you know, we're all looking for more high quality talent than any of us can find. Um, so we're constantly searching for um, for new people. I think we have something like three hundred job specs open right now. Um, but I would say that that it is uh, something that's special. Blah blah blah, and I have multiple conversations a month of people who just found me on LinkedIn and say you know, I'm, I'm really looking either. I just got my MBA or I'm changing careers. And how do I do something that's like what you do, or how do I get into a place that's like where you are? Because they are looking for ways to be what I call the whole self. You know, they're, they're looking to use their professional skills, but they want to do it in a way that makes them feel rewarded and fulfilled that they're a part of, you know, goodness being done in the world. So you're right that it's not just millennials. I do agree that I think that the millennial generation is giving us kind of volume, and so we're noticing it more. But we have people who are later in their careers who are coming and taking very senior positions and saying, I've, I've worked for these companies for a long time, and I really want to come and take my skills and, and work with what you do because it's so special. So it really is something that um, I think um,
0: makes us very attractive
1: to applicants um, and makes us a little bit special.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it it seems to be something that is pushing other companies who might not uh, or might not as naturally as BlackBot has uh, to really think about what product they're offering, what service they're offering, how they're integrating that full self of the employee into their day-to-day. And um, I think there's a lot to be learned from the companies that have done it for years <laughs> uh, versus, versus those that are kind of coming to the table now. Yeah.
1: And there are a lot of companies that haven't embraced, I mean, p- some people say CSR is old hat and others haven't even done it yet. So there's still a lot of growth and development in, in the world of, of corporate for companies to change and not just to say, Oh, we have a volunteer or a giving program, check the box. That's the answer. That's not the answer. It's, you know, really embracing who you are, what your values are, how you show up, what your culture is like. Um, we just moved into a wonderful new world headquarters that was built very intentionally with employee collaboration and just the employee experience in mind. It's very light. It's very open. It has a lot of collaborative space. And, you know, because we spend a lot of time at work. And so it should be a place where we can work effectively, but we also can enjoy ourselves.
0: Right. Well, and what would what would your, and I haven't figured this out myself, how do you figure out which companies are checking the box and which companies are, it's really built in? If you were you know, uh, someone who was starting your career a couple of years into your career and looking for that type of culture, that type of company, how, how do you tell? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I often get the question, you know, how do I break into what you do? How do I become a CSR person? How do I find? And it's it's hard because this profession is not um, there aren't tons of us doing this. And often it's someone like me who's come up through the company who, who takes it on and builds it. And the teams aren't that big. But I tell them to focus on kind of culture and brand that number one go and just do what you would consider a standard literature search I mean, like we used to do it through microfiche but you know go read about the company read what's in the press you know see do they do anything philanthropic are they engaged in the community in any way what are who are their leaders and what are their, what do their leaders do and and if the leaders just show up as you know titles of executives but they don't have their own you know go to their LinkedIn pages and see what what boards they're on see how they're engaged and then more and more you can learn more about companies from their websites and from their if they have a csr report or a sustainability report you know what are their values and how do they live their values and sometimes companies are just so big it's really hard to tell but um understanding the culture of a company is is important and and if you're looking in a geographic area i would encourage people to to talk to other people who have been at the company or know things about it because the grass always looks greener right. from the outside and you want to understand, you know, some people say, Oh, I must work at Blackboard. I'm coming to Charleston. I must work at Blackboard." And I say, well, it's a great place and I would love for you to work here, but there might not be the right spot. But why don't you go and look at some of these other companies that are up and coming and they might actually even provide you something that we wouldn't because they're, they're younger and they're entrepreneurial in a way where, the new opportunities are just evolving left and right. And I went from being a generalist to a specialist by being in one of those settings. Uh, so you, you really kind of have to understand what the brand stands for and what the people and the leaders stand for. And you can get a pretty good idea um, of the inside of a company from
0: that. So what do their leaders do and how do they actually time? So smart. And that's something that you you can't just pull together a package around or a a marketing plan around, right? Really being able to see how the leaders of your company or the company that you're considering are spending their extracurricular hours.
1: Yeah. Go find them on social media. And, you know, I have a lot of wonderful colleagues who, if you follow them on social media, you learn a lot and you get a sense of who they are and, you know, it it just helps you understand these days if someone calls me and wants to talk about Blackboard or talk about the profession, you know, I kind
0: of assume they've already looked at all of that. And usually they have. Right, right. Well, speaking of what their leaders do, when you walk out the door at Blackbot at the end of the day, you've, you're on the board of several nonprofit organizations. So I guess there's a question I could ask you around, how the heck do you find the time of <laughs> um, but I would yeah. also love to just hear, you know, how do you go about selecting, assuming your time outside of BlackBot and the responsibilities you just talked about is limited? How do you select the right nonprofits to engage with? And how do you think about your commitment to them?
1: Yeah, so that's a good question. So, you know, I am on a couple of boards and one of the reasons I'm on a couple instead of just one is that the Giving Institute is something where I represent Blackboard. It's it's 55 firms that are all for-profit firms who work in the field of philanthropy. So it's very tied to my actual work every day. Um, and I just moved off the board of the Coastal Community Foundation, and that was something that I did more as a personal passion, um, although Blackboard does have a, a um, fund there that we make grants from. But, you know, I I've always thought that you shouldn't you know, have a bunch of local things that you're doing, you really should have one and, and commit to it. But um, how do you choose one that you're passionate about is, is a challenge. Um, I actually do a good bit of that work with our um, leadership across the company. We're very focused on promoting with our leaders, director level and up that they really should serve on a board. Um, if they don't do it and we work with nonprofits, then who will? Um, And a lot of them don't realize that they have the skills that nonprofits would value. And so I almost consider this like micro skills based volunteerism, where you're, you know, I'm talking to someone about, you know, what are you passionate about cause wise? Um, Is there something that really speaks to you? And it could be that there isn't. Um, Are you passionate about using a certain skill? Or on the flip side, do you do so much of this at work that you don't want to be the finance person on the board even though you're the CFO at the company? Do you wanna do something different? Um, if they're younger, it's a great way to talk about what skills do you wanna develop and leadership opportunities that you wanna develop that maybe you're not getting an opportunity to do yet. And so it's really kind of a bit of a free-flowing conversation around you know, cause, size and complexity of the nonprofit organizations is it entrepreneurial or is it more traditional skills that you want to offer? And we just kind of come up with ideas of how to pursue it. I would say if you're in a community and you don't know how to answer those questions, then you'll identify someone who seems to be pretty well networked or who is on some boards and ask them for some advice. If you have a volunteer center, they can help you too. But um, you can always start by volunteering and getting on a committee and it's almost Mm -hmm. like dating, you know, you, you don't need to go straight to a board. You should figure out that you care about the cause. It's okay to go to the nonprofit and say, I would actually like to get involved and use my skills. They'd probably fall over and, you know, be excited that you did that. Um, because often nonprofits don't know how to ask, you know, for, for what they're looking for. And, and age is not a barrier here because, a lot of younger people have different kinds of networks, different ways of communicating and knowledge that someone who is more senior doesn't have.
0: Well, to that to that question of dating, one of the questions I've asked you in the past and uh, wish I had asked you sooner was, where do you go to meet people that are in this space? What are the events, forums, conferences? There's so many right now. In the CSR, the social impact, social entrepreneurship space, that it can be really hard, particularly for folks that are looking to date and not get married, uh, to figure out where where to begin. And would love to hear you know, what are the latest and greatest.
1: It's you know that's a really great question because there are so many of them. I talk about how all the conferences are having baby <laughs> conferences, and it's impossible to, to go to all of them. And there are different slices. There's the there are the conferences that are for nonprofits or certain kinds of nonprofits, and then there are conferences for people who professionally do what I do, which is CSR or corporate philanthropy. And in that bucket, you know, you have the Boston College Center for Corporate Citizenship, which you tend to go to if you're a member. Um, the U.S. Chamber has a conference. Um, the Association of Corporate Contributions Professionals is out there. CECP, if you if you're a member company, so there are lots of different. Um, offerings, and then also some training or things that you can attend through these various offerings. But what I find is I try to um, dip into different ones. The conference that I go to every year is, and never miss it, is the Social Innovation Summit. It's um, led by a wonderful guy named Zeev Klein at Landmark Ventures. And he really is just pulling together people in the social good community who are interested in kind of incubating good ideas, whether that is a nonprofit, a funder, a company, a startup, you know, for-profit, whatever. And it's just a really rich, interesting community of people. So I go because he runs it very much like a TEDx would be run, a lot of short speeches and a lot of opportunity for connection. But then I want to go, obviously, I'm going to go to CECP and sit with my peers and learn from them and talk with them. But I like to mix it up a little bit because conferences sometimes do get to feel the same year after year. So like this year, I went to Points of Light, which was terrific, but I hadn't been for a couple of years. Um, This fall, I'm going to speak at 3BL Forum, which used to be CommitCR. And that's a new thing for me. And, you know, because of the challenges on schedule, it is hard to just do the same one every year. Right, right.
0: Well, and it Particularly, you see a lot of the same people at um, the forum. So figuring out, to your point, how do how do I make sure that I'm exposed to my peers, but also folks that will help me think differently and uh, expose me to different sectors and different ways of thinking?
1: Yeah, and that's why I like the Social Innovation Summit, because it's not about one sector. It's not, this is for nonprofits or this is for companies or this is for this membership group. It's really ideas that do spur you to think differently.
0: Pulling up from the on the ground to 10,000 foot level, curious what, when you think about your career and uh, both kind of where you've been and where you're going, what feels like the most rewarding aspect so far?
1: You know, I'm someone who deeply believes in mentoring and sponsorship and coaching. And I think the opportunities that I've had to pay it forward and work with other people um, who are earlier in their careers and maybe help them get over the barriers that took me way too long to get over, that's really meaningful to me. Um, I'm doing something at work. We have something called the Senior Women's Leadership Council, and I'm chairing that um, and that's a group of senior women who are really working tightly as a community to then strengthen our broader global management team, um, women's community, which has about 70 people in it. And, you know, we all need to feel connected and, and supported by each other. Um, Blackboard is is actually, you know, 50-50 male, female, oh, wow. and has a lot of women in leadership, but we still need to, um, you know, understand and encourage each other, understand what's unique about our roles, and also just understand how to be the best leaders we can be. And so the mentorship work that I've done, um, both working directly with a coach myself and then helping to sponsor and mentor others, I think that when I look back at a legacy, I'm most proud of the people who I've been able to help in some way. Um, and again, hope that they can get over hurdles
0: faster than I did. And. To talk a little bit about what, what the hurdles have been and, and not specifically, but just in concept. I think one thing that a lot of us struggle with in this social good space across sector broadly defined is it's a long game, right? You don't always see immediate results to your really hard work and would love to hear what you've done to when you're at one of those hurdles, what, what activates you, inspires, motivates you to get past them?
1: Well, I, th- I like to think that I deal with that a lot better today than I did in my past. You know, I'm just grown up and it is a long game. And when I was younger, I was like, I need this things to happen right now. And I can see how it should be. Therefore, it should be. And, you know, I just came out of a meeting where we were talking about the importance of effective influence and your ability to build community and help people and understand other perspectives and but bring them along with you versus just saying this is how it shall be. Um so I think I struggled a bit too long trying to figure out what I was supposed to be when I grew up instead of mm-hmm. trusting that I was getting there. Um through through these varied experiences and that paths are not always a direct route. When I look back, it makes sense to me, but when I was looking forward, it didn't. Um I think I struggled most in the kind of I've been a manager and now I'm a senior manager. I'm ready for that next big leap. You know, I wasn't sure what that meant, and no one could really articulate it to me. And I, you know, I finally figured out. You know, being a leader is being a leader. It's it's someone else calls you that, not Mm -hmm. you saying that that's what you are. You you just you know you do what you can do every day, and you grow and you evolve, and that, that that journey never ends. And so I'm. I love being, you know, open with with people about the mistakes that I've made and and you know how I was thinking when I was younger because you know I put barriers in front of me because I felt like I was supposed to fit into a certain mold instead of figuring out what was right for me and that what I thought mattered a lot and that's that's very different from when I think you know I went into the workforce and what I call the Gordon Gecko greed is good era you know you graduate. And, have to go work for a big farm make money get your BMW etc and that's what the 80s were like and that's not what the work world is like today it's not how everyone's motivated and what motivates me and me understanding that is what matters the most and that's very free to get to that point.
0: What's the best part of your day?
1: That is such a hard question for me because <laughs> there are moments throughout my day my days are very varied and I could be, you know, out in the community or the broader national community, I could be speaking. I really do love um, opportunities to speak and share and connect with audiences. But, you know, I love when I'm in a meeting and I was just in one and I look around the table and I'm just surrounded by all these really smart, interesting people who deeply care about what they do. But I also have always loved like the early evening when you get home and you're winding down and, you know i'm talking to my husband or one of my kids about you know what i did today and what was go- what i'm thinking about and there's always something in my mind about what i'm thinking about what i'm excited about what i'm recharging for and that's i feel really blessed to have that because there are many people who you know do jobs and get paid and are very accomplished but i'm not sure that that's how they go home feeling
0: right right and just having the the privilege of that moment yeah i feel very similarly. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for joining me today. I have been smiling broadly this entire conversation. <laughs> I know South Carolina and New York are far apart, and um, our listeners will now understand why With every conference I go to, I creepily stalk whether you're going to be there too and send you a note and oh. say, hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you going to be there? Can we hang out, please? <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, the people
1: who work in social good, period, are just great people. I mean, open and sharing and really interested in trying to, you know, move the needle in some positive way and not really worried about taking credit for it.
0: That's the key, right? That's the key. That do the good work and and the credit is that it's moving and doesn't need to yeah. be anchored in any one person. Well, thank you again so much Rachel and for the work that you do in this space. There are not many folks who are so focused on culture and particularly common impact slice of this work, the skills-based volunteer, and really seeing that in the everyday, right? (laughs) Uh, It's everywhere. And just really appreciate your perspective and you taking the time to share that with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Pro Bono Perspectives today. If you like our show and want to learn more, check out our website at www.commonimpact.org. Leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues about us. Tune into our upcoming episodes to hear from everyday leaders using their skills to help their communities.